Hello, listeners, and thank you once again for tuning in to Realms and Nerds, our D&D adventure comedy podcast. I'm RJ, and this is the newest episode of our first main campaign. Uh, don't forget, we have a special coming up next week uh, with a very special guest. I'm very excited for you all to hear it, uh, so keep an eye out for that, or keep an ear out for that, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, if you happen to like our... Uh, to be honest, repetitive music that I make. Uh, you can find it on my SoundCloud account. That's uh, at soundcloud.com slash the RJ Moore. You can find accounts for our podcast on social media at Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. Please be sure to leave our show a rating and a review on your podcast service. Uh, it would really help us out. If you make a post about our podcast on social media, be sure to include the hashtag Realms Nerds. That's all one word, Realms Nerds. Once again, thank you to our dear friend Kyle for composing our main theme. Thank you all very much for listening. I'm very excited for you all to hear this episode. Uh, there's lots of interesting stuff happening for the overarching narrative, as well as, you know, the usual goofball things that we say and do. So let's not delay any longer and return to the realm of the return of Ornon. Previously on Realms and Nerds, The Return of Ornon. We have learned of a man who has surrounded himself with evil creatures deep in a wasteland of the Garden of Stone. This man is said to wield a silver ring which grants him unnatural life and also unnatural magical abilities. There's this area, we call it the impasse, so you can't really get through unless you take a good deal of climbing and uh sort of scrambling over rocks. Some campfires and some various fiendly-looking fellas hanging around there. with Leroy, kind of negotiating with him. So after you guys finish up with them, they, you know, they kind of moved off. Uh, you can't really see them anymore. And obviously we had the little interaction with uh, Mikael, and, you know, giving the gold to uh, Axel and the all message. that stuff. Well, and, yeah, and the message. So specifically, you were telling them just to go kill those guys and then just kind of, was there any sort of instructions past that or was it just a go take these guys out? Kind of a take them out, eradicate the evil in this area and then wait for further instructions. Well, eradicating the evil in this area might take more than one day's work because there's a lot of evil in this area. It's 30 soldiers. You're being very vague. He's letting you know that. Yeah. That vague instruction. There's a lot of evil just There's still a lot way. of evil in this area. You're it saying. is it is attached with the name of Leroy and I think I gave it some hard quotes. His boys that gotta uh make a living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I remember you actually saying that. <laughs> 
Leroy and his boys sounds like a fifties like <laughs> was looking to make Malt Le- shop band. Was looking to make Leroy and his boys a fam favorite, but I guess not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Where you ran into these guys a little bit past midday at that point, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, we figure you had a little bit of negotiation with them. That didn't take up too much of your time. So you're still looking at, you know, uh, several good hours of daylight before things even start to get dark. So even though his, uh, Leroy is sort of, I guess the way that he described this was somewhat vague, uh, you have a general sense from what he told you that you can probably reach the encampment that he talked about by nightfall. So the question then becomes, do you guys want to try and come up on this camp during the night, or do you want to camp out and go tomorrow, or do you want to try and look around? What's uh, what's your plan of attack here? My personal vote is that we just continue on. We just completed a long rest before encountering Leroy. All of us are pretty much good. Now, here's the way I see it. This one can't see well in the dark. The rest of us are all fine on that front. Now, this encampment that we're going down into, they're already well lit. So there's no good reason for this dragon here to be walking in with a ball of light when he can just tail behind one of us. Have you ever stepped on a Lego? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh, wait. Yeah, my kid had one of those, you know, before he died in a fire. Did you step and on a toy soldier when going to the bathroom <laughs> at night? No, because I got dark vision. Ah, yes. All, all I'm saying is one of us can lead him, and then we all can make it down there in the dark. Then when we get into the encampment, he'll be able to see, fine as why. There's no real reason to produce any flames if we can see the encampment that's lit up. Exactly what I'm saying. As long as you can see where your feet may wander on your way to the encampment. As long as I'm one behind one of you, should be fine. I guess here's the question, because they reference three different levels of darkness. Is it because of the campfires, the area that we're walking to go into it, that's just going to be considered dim light? So he'd, it'd be dark it'd be dark enough that he can't see well to go on his own, but light enough that he could like walk and see like somebody right in front of him to keep track of where he's going? Have you ever been around a campfire before? Yeah. It's that amount of light. All right, fine. Yes, let's go. You should definitely be able to see. <laughs> okay, so we start. Yeah, all right, let's all right. keep going. You're keep clarifying going. levels of darkness, like literally. Because there's sure three levels of darkness in this game. There's. You've been around a campfire, haven't you? We talking right. level one campfire. We talking level <laughs> one campfire. Yeah, what level campfire is this? <laughs> What's this campfire? What's it AC, man? Are we talking about you know like three sticks burning or a barn? Alright, you just follow behind me and let's get going. Temple of Bones has some real rage. (laughs) Lighting the whole barn on fire. (laughs) Hey, you never know, it might be a Slayer concert. (laughs) Slayers is a band of executioners, yes. In this world. Ah, I believe so, yes. Awesome. Alright, Dragon Boy, you fall behind me and let's go. Don't call me Dragon Boy, short man. Alright. So, you have all generally agreed that you should continue walking towards your goal. And so, with that highly motivated purpose in mind, you continue walking. It is more or less an uneventful trip. You can say what you want about Leroy and his unscrupulous methods, but he and his boys are in fact fairly good at keeping their stretch of the road clear of 
other more malevolent beings. I don't like. <laughs> yes, we're well aware <laughs> of the feelings that good old Joan has about bandits that charge a toll on roads that are supposed to be free. But so, um, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of super pressing attacks or evildoers around you. You see plenty of different sort of markers that this is a definitely a wild and untamed area. You actually come across several different animal carcasses. There's a part where there's a wall that's kind of covered in what you discern to be dried blood. There's a sign that says this place is wild and dangerous. <laughs> there is actually. It's weird. Um, so somebody somebody has a pretty interesting sense of humor. Maybe Leroy, who was going to be a fan favorite before he was killed. Is this like an I mean, episode so of Scooby-Doo? There's a sign that says turn back. At one point, we still do not know Enter at your own yeah. risk. <laughs> but yeah, no, so more or less this is essentially an uneventful trip, although somewhat foreboding, not particularly pressing. And so as you walk along... It just continues on as it has before. The ground is at a slight but steady downward slope. At this point, actually, as you start to near closer to the middle, you notice that it, from the looks of the way everything goes, nighttime is actually going to come for you a little bit sooner than you had initially anticipated because of the way the sun is going to go over the edge of this bowl that you're in. Was that a metaphor for death? (laughs) Nighttime comes quickly for you. <laughs> well, it might be. We shall find if kill the character off. If Joan keeps up his stellar use of fire, <laughs> then uh, death might come quickly for you, my son. Well, in this place, everything just turned to glass. Knowing you, you will manage to hit something You'll that catch burns. your foot on fire, for all I know. No, yeah, so it's um, it's actually, as you're walking lower and lower, you're actually seeing that... It's going to get to be dark a lot quicker than you had initially anticipated. I lean over to Ramash and say, Hey, big guy, the sun's getting real low. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You okay? Yeah. Ramash nervously starts edging away from the drow, looking a little uncomfortable. You're right over there, mate. Uh, Joe, so much time for me to go hunting. I, <laughs> He's gonna get buck ass nudes. I'm killing everything in sight while we go off to do this uh, mission. Apparently, Mikael is feeling experimental. Ooh. The full moon's coming out. It's getting a little wild. Anyways, for a real question here, though, as you're seeing that it's going to get darker a lot sooner than you thought, do you guys have any sort of change of plans? I know you were mostly planning to kind of keep walking through the dark anyway, so does this concern you, or are you guys just going to keep, just keep moving going. on? Oh, yeah, I I'm think it was going to get dark anyway. I figured it was going to be dark uh, anyway, so... I thought it was already dark. marched through a forest at night. What's the difference in walking through a valley at night? And there's no, oh, yeah, no over-covering and for bird peoples to kill us. Don't worry, guys. I can burn down any bushes if it gets too dark. <laughs> there are no bushes. <laughs> you know, you, the one time you aimed at the bush, you hit one of us. As far as I think we continue. The group shall continue as previously. Let's, Let's keep carry on, my wayward son. Alright. So, um... It will be peace when we are done. Just as the last rays of sunlight are shining over the lip 
of the edge of this city, you come upon the broken-down building that Leroy told you about. And it is indeed a massive building. You can tell just from the general size of it that this building, when it was standing, probably would have stuck out even above the edge of the bowl. It was just a massive structure. Are there any obvious openings into the building? <laughs> There's Not... a big-ass door. <laughs> well, I imagine, I imagine it's tipped on its side right now. It is on yes, it, f- it fell over, yes. So the answer to your question is more or less no. If you wanted to, you could try to climb your way over it. But, I mean... Is it tips kind of sideways to us, towards us, or away from us? Sideways. So it fell across where the main roadway was. So when it fell, uh, the kind of top half or top third of the building is sort of what came down over the road. Refresh my was, uh, they, Leroy and his boys went, like, around it, right? And then they, like, found the encampment? Yeah, so what they told you is basically as you're coming up to this building, what they said is that the way that they always got around this, because it's kind of dangerous to try and climb over the top, is they veered to the left and went around the building. Mm-hmm. Um, on this sort of pathway that they had found through the buildings. And it was on this pathway area that they found this encampment. Well, we can either go directly into the encampment or we can try to sneak our way in. But sneaking in we sneak in would require climbing the structure. How tall is the structure on its side? Even broken down and, like, blasted apart from falling from that high, most of it still looks like it goes up at least six to eight stories. I say we walk. And I do have to point out, um, just as you're tired, this path is not like a narrow corridor around it. It's just sort of a detour. It's not like you take this detour and you, your only option is to march directly into the camp. There's still going to be other like broken down buildings that you could get into or you could try to circumvent around the camp if you wanted to go that way. So is the camp kind of at the tip of the spire of this building or is it kind of... Behind that. Do we know? Yeah, do we know Um, from Leroy's description? Not super clearly. From what he said, you assume that it's somewhere in the general vicinity of sort of the turn, you know, where you go around the end of the the building. It's somewhere in that general vicinity. When he came up to that point, that's where they saw the camp, and then they kind of backed out and left because they didn't like the look of it. Zero. I would recommend... Climbing on top of this building and approaching near the point yeah. for a good vantage. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Uh, I think I should have enough rope to climb this. Is the the face of the wall enough to the point where I could free climb, or would I need to grapple your way? Grapple up? or anything my way up? I'd say a combination of both, because I have it's- like twenty five meters of rope. Yeah, so you. I guess the, what I'm saying is you don't need to have enough rope that you could throw it all the way up to the top. There's definitely, like, patches. There is going to be patches of solid rock, but I think you, between a combination of free climbing and using your grappling hook, you could probably make your way up to the top if that's what you chose to do. All right, so should I guess I, we're coming up to this. Should I accompany him up there? Uh, uh, I was suggesting two. I was suggesting get two on the ground and two on the All right. top. I'll go. There. I'll go up with them. All right, uh, Joan, you go with me up the building. Uh, Ramosh, Mikai, you guys go around. If mm-hmm. we get attacked, 
the two of us could probably handle you ourselves. You want us to roll for climbing and like an athletics check, yeah, an athletics or an acrobatics check, or I think this is an athletics check more than acrobatics. Really? Okay. I I don't see this as a single feat. Okay. This is like a it's like not a like one jump or one grapple. This is an ongoing what? climb. Can I, if I have. 50 feet of yeah, rope. Yeah, more balance. Do I get, like, a vantage? Or, no. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think you get an advantage right. on this. I think it's just that. All right, so he gets his pythons and his rope out, and he's ready to climb. Okay. That's 21. Yeah, I think with 21, you're doing okay on this. Look, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm getting up. I'm climbing. Well, it's better climbing than you are shooting. Thanks. So you're saying it's just a athletics check? Yeah. Okay, then I only have 14. So I think you both are climbing up, moving up this rock face. You're doing all right. Is there... I'm oh, picturing you back flipping up the rocks. <laughs> 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 he's, just, he's just Mr. Like, mountaineer. <laughs> this python's like, getting up there. No, if you could just learn to use that gun as well, we'd be set. If you could just learn to shut your trap, we'd be set. I got a big one. <laughs> he said, Alright, so, um. <laughs> we're about two thirds of the way up. Sibo reaches his hand and grabs a handhold, and as he sort of shifts his weight, the rock that he's holding on to comes free. Uh, Jonah, need you to do a strength check? Uh, 14. Okay, uh, and then Sibo, do a uh, an acrobatic check. So, 18. Okay. So what happens is, as he starts to fall, Joan, you reach and are not really able to fully catch him, but you're able to grab onto him enough to push him back towards the rock face so he doesn't fall away from it, and then he is able to grab onto another handhold and sort of regain himself. Let's not try that again. Oi! At this point, I think Ramash and Mikhail start making their way along the building. Oh, I thought they were just watching, like, dinner and a show. Okay, I'm, yeah, all right, I'm sorry. We <laughs> build a little sand chairs or whatever, and we're just sipping on some margaritas going... I'm pulling, out a, I'm pulling out a, a random animal haunch out of one of my hunts, and I'm just kind of slowly picking at it. <laughs> Five gold coins on Sibo Falls first. You're on. <laughs> Well, I think uh, I think after this point, the two of you uh, are able to reach the top of your climb more or less without incident. He does the like thing from Rocky after he gets to the top of the stairs. Yeah, when he puts his arms up. This little Joan's like, see what should be doing it because Joan was like fine, but Steve almost died. Talk on him with that. I hang myself just fine. Got Batman and Robin. Alright, so you guys are up on the top now. Are you gonna signal down to your compatriots to let them know you made it? Joan waves down to them and kind of motions for them to start working their way it's the direction we need to Laurel and Hardy and we're Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> <laughs> Rosh just goes a okay and he just starts walking along. Alright, so you both both groups set off here. <laughs> are you guys walking uh, like sort of at the same pace, I know the people up above want to kind of scout. So are you trying to move a little bit ahead of? Yeah, we want to. We want to kind of be a little further ahead, just like in case we see something up ahead for them. But but never f- too far ahead. That way, we're still like there to let them know if something's coming up that they should keep an eye out for or whatever. Okay, so uh, you guys are moving along. At this point, it's gotten to be fully dark. 
And at this point, you're actually in sort of the darkest part of the night because the sun has fully gone down at this point, but the moon has not yet come over the lip of the bowl that you're in. So you're really getting no light at this point. It's pretty pitch black. No stars? Is it overcast? There's a little bit of light from the stars, but just the light of the stars is not really much to go by. Ramash has his shield and his wand ready. Man, must be going shit for Dragonboy down there. Yeah, you're telling me. Let's see a bloody thing, can he? Forgot him to guide me. Which, actually, I have enhanced dark vision being a drow. So my dark vision is even more clear. <laughs> you lend him some of your dark vision. Here, I'm some of mine. these holes in the back of my head, and you can see everything in front of me, like the <laughs> So, um, as you go along, you start to hear sort of indistinct kind of noises all around you. Nothing that you can see approaching you, but you can hear a lot of movement around you, both on the ground and those of you that are up kind of on top of the wrecked building as well can still hear some different creatures moving around. John motions for everybody to stop. Yeah, because we can see that. See that. <clears throat> can see You're that. You're not yelling. No. We're down the ground. I'm watching. Hill. I'm watching the ground ahead We're of me. We're two completely oh, different. I'm right. counting on you I'm to watch I'm us too. I motion to Sibo to pause. At this and point, I we may as well be two separate groups because Sibo isn't about to listen to Joan just because Joan's Joan. I listen here. I am the law. You will listen to me. You should have. That's like that dumbass redneck. <laughs> he's in charge. All right. Um, I'd like to do a perception check at this point. Okay. Are we even close to the? Uh, nat twenty plus two, twenty-two. I guess with a twenty-two, you can detect that ever all the creatures around you that you could hear, none of them seem to be particularly focused on you at this point. So much so that you can't really identify specifically any of the noises or kind of shuffling that you're hearing. They're just kind of, this is, I mean, this is where they live. Okay, so this is just night noises. So they're just, they're, the ones all around you are just kind of, I mean, if you were to run into them would be not so great for you. But they're not particularly interested in coming after you at this point. I just want to point out, if we were Scooby-Doo and the gang, the split-up worked Fred <laughs> and Velma and Shaggy and Daphne. Yeah, Scooby's God knows where. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Scooby's off in the forest delivering a message. Well, yeah. at least I'm the hot one. <laughs> With the lowest uh, lowest AC. Yeah. Any. Anyway, seems like it's he'll just be a bunch the damsel of in distress. Seems like it's just a bunch of cicadas and stuff. Let's carry on. Just be wary. As we it's not cicadas. Whatever. Yeah. I, sh- I should be very clear about that. What you sensed was definitely medium to large sized creatures around. Hey, these are medium to large sized creatures around here. Let's <laughs> these these are dangerous. Really? Thanks, Thinky Boy. Right. We keep walking. Those okay. two dumbasses are holding. So they took a pause for a minute or, this or so. Dumbass, I should say. Well, I was that he kept going. I apparently because he's not You're listening. Like, to me. Stop. I. I <laughs> I pause, but I go to catch up just after... Like Star, just like Star-Lord in Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> but now I like now I, now I I kind of play catch-up with Sibo, okay. cautiously. 
as you guys are creeping along, you um, start to see, uh, those of you that are up on the top, off in the distance can start to see the glow of fire. You kind of are coming up on where the top of the building was, and you can see that a little ways off from that, there's a campsite sort of built around a three-story building. You see about 15 or 20 tents. There's a couple of fires burning uh, around the different tents, uh, but you don't see any people or creatures or whatever around. Uh, Sibo's going to cast his one and only cantrip, Minor Illusion, to actually throw his voice, his like his, a hushed voice, down to the two guys at the bottom. Oi, hey, there's a cap coming up. Uh, not sure how many guys there are, but... Looks like there's about 15 or so tents. So we just take it more cautiously, but we're still moving forward. We got to So what are y'all going to do? I have my rapier drawn, and I am at the ready. Okay, so we approach, slowly. I've it's got shielding wandering. So are you guys up at the top? Are you staying up on the top? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Joan's going to like kind of like get down low to try and remain out of sight, though. Okay. So as you guys on the ground are approaching the campsite, again, you see about 15 or so tents. And there's several fires burning. But again, you still are not seeing anyone around. It doesn't look like anybody is moving in this encampment. I'm going to cast Divine Sense. Okay. So within the near vicinity, anybody that is not behind cover. When you cast your Divine Sense, behind you and kind of to the left and the right, you sort of get a general sort of feeling or I guess a stink in this instance of this, you know, general evil that's around you. In front of you, you are getting absolutely nothing. Not even, like, a faint sort of aura. Aura. Just, just nothing. It's pretty dead. <clears throat> I lean over to Ramash. I fear we may have tread into an ambush. Ramash yeah. immediately stops walking. Up on the top of the tower, Joan has leaned over to see what I don't like. Either they've left, or we're getting ambushed. Ramash is going to, in fact, cast Wild Shape and turn into a giant rat. Okay. And start sneaking forward towards the camp. So I take on its armor class hit points, speed, strength and dexterity, everything else, and its senses, so I now have dark vision up to 60 feet. Um, that, why didn't you just do that in the first place? <laughs> I have it snuck all the way into the camp. an hour. Right Did it now. take an hour for us to get to the camp? Based on how long we've been talking, I'd say yes. Anyway, I have advantage on wisdom checks that rely on smell, which I will be doing as I approach the camp right now. Okay. Okay, so that's a 24. And that's a 21, so 24 on smell. Uh, as you come up on this camp and you're smelling... The first thing that you notice as you're coming up is that this camp is lacking any of the kind of smells or sounds that even would be associated with a group of creatures that is, like, asleep in their tents. It's It seems pretty dead. As you steal up to the first tent and kind of peek in, what you see is three or four figures that are laid out on cots but they are all shriveled husks of their former selves. They almost look like they've been rapidly mummified. 
I'm gonna keep checking the tent slowly. Keep okay. my eyes out and everything. As you go around from tent to tent, you uh, are seeing more or less the same thing. These uh, tents are just full of various numbers of creatures that have been, it looks like, mummified. Almost like the life has been sucked out of them. Is there anything useful in the tents I find as I'm crawling around? Yeah, I mean, these uh, these guys still have around them their various instruments of war. So there's armor, weapons, etc. laying around. But uh, that's about it. Okay. If there's nothing else in the camp that I notice, I'm going to make my way back towards Mikhail as quickly as I can. Okay. Uh, side note, I did advance as I saw him searching through and moving through past some tents. Move forward, and I did look for some arrows. Okay. Did you need me to roll or anything for so you're kind of scavenge those? Oh, uh, I think there's quite a few arrows in here. I don't. I don't know if you really actually need to roll to find arrows. There's quite a few in there. And in that time, I string my longbow and I kind of knock an arrow. So you get into this first tent and you find six arrows in there. As you're coming out, right in front of you scurries a giant rat that you recognize to be Ramash in his animal state. I would like to point out that all of my gear melds into my body as I transform, so it has a distinct shape, like a pattern on my body that makes me identifiable, just so you're aware. A rat that's a member of the Golden Guard. As he comes up on you, all of the sudden... A firebolt streaks across the sky, directed uh, straight towards you guys. Was it aimed at Ramash or Mikhail? Yeah, it's a one-target spell. It's aimed at Ramash. So this firebolt streaks through the air and hits you for four points of damage. And as it does so, Mikhail, who was not hit by the firebolt, you realize that the firebolt came directly from the area that Joan and Sibo are standing. And as this happens, directly in front of you, where this firebolt came from, as soon as the firebolt is launched, a figure appears, dressed in a black robe that's hemmed with fiery red. And as he turns around, you see a contradiction. This man, who appears before you, has a white beard that comes down almost to his stomach, sort of in a a thin point as it comes down. Yet at the same time, the top half of his face looks baby smooth, almost as if he just popped out of his mother yesterday. And the other thing that you notice is that his eyes are glowing with a fiery red. And as he turns, he addresses you and says, Well, I have been expecting you. And with that, he disappears, and then before you can even react with a bright flash, you see him reappear on the top of the three-story building that overlooks the camp. This is probably the guy you're looking for. I guess uh, everybody ought to roll some initiative. 22. 19. 19. 12. So, uh, first up in the order here is Mikael. I am going to cast Hunter's Mark. It's a bonus action. Okay. He is three stories up. Yes. 
Are we talking 24 feet, or are we talking 30 feet? We're going to say he's at about 30 feet right now. Okay. Up on the top of this building. So... Uh, 15. Yes, Stacy. Okay, what kind of... Are you shooting at him, or...? Yes, I'm using a longbow. A 15 is going to hit, yes. Eight piercing damage. Okay. Next up is Sibo. From where you are up on top, you are about 20 feet above him and about 30 feet away. Sibo is going to take his rope out, okay. anchor down at the top of the building, mm-hmm. and rappel down. Okay. I think that's a whole action for, yeah, his that's movement. That's definitely an action. That's definitely an action, yeah. And... So now he's... Actually, what's your movement speed? Probably 25. Okay. So, down the so that's only going to take you about halfway down the building. But then I can also use my bonus action, which is a dash. I don't know if dash really works for traversing vertically. I'm going to say for this turn, your whole action is going to be trying to move down the rock face. You're going to be like partway down the rock face. For your next turn, you'll be able to get to the ground... But that will just use up your movement speed and not your action. So you'll still be able to make an action or an attack or something once you get to the ground on your next turn. But for right now, you're just part way down the side of this ruined building. Uh, next up is Joan. Right, Joan's going to back up a little bit so he's not like right by the edge. And then he's going to cast False Life. Bolstering yourself with a necromantic fast mile of life, you gain 1d4 plus 4 temporary hit points for the duration. The duration is an hour. So that's 3 plus 4, so 7 additional temporary hit points. Okay, uh, Ramash is up now. I'm going to move as close as I can and still be able to see him, basically, so that I'm 30 feet away from him exactly, and I'm going to cast Thorn Whip and try to pull him 10 feet closer to me so he's falling. Thorn Whip has a range of 30 feet. If right. it hits, the creature takes 1d6 piercing damage, and if the creature is large or smaller, you pull the creature up to 10 feet closer to you. Right, but he's 30 feet in the air. I'm saying that the, the distance is going to be farther than 30 feet unless you're standing right next to the edge of the building. I think that's what he was just clarifying, that he just kind of walks up to the base of the building. I am 6 feet tall. Six and a half. Right now you're still a... Right, I'm just uh, saying that... I'm you still a rat. Yeah, and I can undo that as a bonus action, which I do. So you're doing that, okay. okay. Yeah, I'm becoming a, a rat. You could try to hit him. You're going to have disadvantage to right. see if he can hang on to the edge of the building when you grab him. Disadvantage on hitting him, then? Please. Yeah. Okay. That's a fucking fail. Okay. Well, so we don't even need to do the second roll. Not so much. <laughs> was that a crit fail? That was a crit fail. Ooh. Thank God that was a cantrip. So, yeah, so you take a shot at him, and it is wildly ineffective. Actually, go ahead and roll a, uh, a dexterity throw for me. That's a 14. So what actually happens is, as you whip at him, when you pull your thorn whip back to you, you actually tangle yourself up a little bit in the whip as you as you try to pull it back from your throw. And so you're going to start your next turn um, from a kneeling position. All right. So any movement speed you take next turn is going to be halved. All right. Because you've got to get the, the thorn whip untangled before you can move. Uh, so next up is this mage that you've come across. By the way, his name is Bicel. 
I don't know if I ever mentioned that or not. No. Not at all. No, I mean, his name doesn't really come up in conversation with us. But Is that like B-Y-C-E-L? B-Y-S-I-L. Bicel. So he's going to cast Suggestion on Mikhail. So you need to make a, a Wisdom saving throw. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a 13. So Mikhail's mind, for just a moment, clouds. And he hears a voice in the back of his head that, for a brief moment, sounds almost like the voice of Bahamut that tells him that he should unsheath his bow and fire an arrow at the man that is repelling down the side of the rock face. And just as soon as the thought comes to him, suddenly there's this feeling that something is not quite right. Something about the voice. I mean, again, you know, Mikhail came face to face with his deity. That's something you remember. And there's something about this voice of Bahamut that just does not feel right. It seems less commanding, less godly, and just a little bit off. I mean, Sibo does stink of And so, basically, uh, Mikael realizes that this is not truly the voice of Bahamut, but is in fact another presence that is trying to invade his mind. Be gone, spirits! Mikael is not so on board with that. Bronson is all for it. Uh, Mikael is going to be up next here. All right, I'm going to draw another arrow on my longbow straight towards the source of this uh, mental penetration. That is a 14. That's going to hit him. And we're looking at nine more points of piercing damage. Sibo okay. uh, is up next. Sibo finishes hiding down the building, and then I'm just going to hide in the shadow. Oh, yeah. Since you've landed right here at the edge of this building that, you know, fell from a pretty great height, there's quite a bit of rubble on the ground. Are you going to get behind something, or are you just kind of... More so just kind of scurrying off to the side where he has distanced himself from the action, kind of just to get away, to not be really part of the uh, our foes' games. Definitely. And you have an advantage on that. Don't forget about all that. Because you got that nifty cloak on. Oh, right. So, Joan is up now. Joan is going to pull out... Well, I mean, he already had his revolver out at this point. But he's going to pull it up, take aim at Bicel, and he is going to uh, use Chromatic Orb. Okay. So, that is going to be 15 versus AC. That will not hit. Uh, he must have an advantage on, like, magic attacks. It's <laughs> quite possible. Uh, no. My 14 landed. His 14 landed, his 15 landed, his 15 failed, that was a spell, and my spell landed a 1. I think he has so an advantage on spell attacks. So. Failed. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're fucked. No, that just means I got... Uh, that's the damn bullets. Yup. That just means time for the regulars. <laughs> Man, have we ever actually seen Joan attack with just a bullet? No. no I'm excited. It's always been tied to a Yeah, because that's the point. Attack. But that's why I have it as bullets. That way I can still do that in case of emergency. And this is emergency. <laughs> this, this, oh boy, howdy, this is emergency. Uh, Ramash, you are up. There's a door to this building, correct? 
to a yes. way to get up to the roof, I would assume. Correct. So first I'm going to disentangle myself from my own whip, and then I'm going to run into the building as quick as I can. Okay. So you are now on the you first... You're towards the elevator. <laughs> you're, now on, you're now on the first floor inside this building, and what you can see is just... It looks similar to a lot of the other buildings that you have looked into in this town previously. This town has been abandoned and dead for a long time, so there's not really a lot in here in the way of physical things. It's more or less an empty room. There's kind of scattered pottery sort of junk laying around, but other than that, it's mostly empty. There is a doorway kind of near the end, the far end of the room that appears to have a stairwell in it. Okay. Um, but that's about as far as you can see from where your where your movement carried you into the building. All right. So that's the. I guess unless you've got, do you have I'll, any bonus I'll, actions or anything like that? I'll just ready the dodge actions. So if someone tries to hit me, they have disadvantage. If I have to dodge, I have an advantage. I don't know what could be in this building. So ghosts. All right. So it's Bicel's turn. Bicel is gonna launch magic missile at Joan. That is a 13 versus AC. Well, with a 13 AC, I'm going to get hit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ties go to the Ty goes to whoever rolls. Damn, you low AC. That's why I'm a distance spellcaster. And all three of them are going at me? Yes. That's 3d4 plus... So is that plus one that I add per dart or total? I think it's per dart. Because that's the, what I was just thinking. The cards. Well, boy, howdy. A dart deals 1d4 plus 1d4. So... Each one is 1d4 okay. plus 1. So Jonah's going to get hit for 11 points of damage. Holy so shit! Only four from his max HP, though, because he did have seven temp points. You, Or shit. You're going to take a, a beefy hit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm in the way. building hiding. <laughs> or not hiding, just trying to get there. What's your HP looking like? I'm at 16 currently. Out of okay. 20. Alright, Mikael, you are up. I'm going to draw my bow again. Okay. Fire another dart. And that's a crit fail. Not going to do it. It's a bird by accident. There's <laughs> 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 just a squawk in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Mikael, your arrow flies far enough away from Bicel that it's not a particular danger to him. It does, however, turn his attention back towards you down there on the ground. Sibo, uh, you're yeah, up next. Sibo's you so yeah. hiding right now. Uh, he's going to pull out a short bow and take a shot at Bicel. Okay. Um, and then I was, so, for sneak attack, for me in order to do this, I have to have advantage. Correct. Since I am hidden currently, do I have an advantage? What are you know. trying to do? Use my sneak attack as well, because I'm hidden. I don't think at this point you have advantage because Bicel is looking in your general direction and he's not being directly engaged by somebody else. So I think at this point you do not have uh, any kind of sort of advantage on this is what he's getting at. Wow, critical fail. You try to shoot your arrow and I think what happens here is it's actually so bad of a shot you kind of, the way that you pop up to try and take your shot at this, Bicel has actually noticed that you are over there now, so you're not in hiding anymore. So, Joe, you were up next. 
Joan is going to forgo the magic spells as that does not seem to be working. And all of his limited choices of non-magical attacks, he's going to use the revolver and just shoot a bullet at him. Okay. That's going to be 12 versus AC piercing damage. Uh, yeah, that's going to happen. Okay, so... That is... That's going to be 11 damage. Damn! Okay, you hit him for 11 points of damage. And, uh, Ramash, you are up. Okay, I'm going to go into the stairwell that I saw and start climbing. Okay, I think uh, you have 30 feet of movement. I do. Okay, I think with that, you're on the second floor. You're heading towards the stairwell that's going up to the third floor. Is there anything on the second floor I should note? Yeah, I mean, again, nothing really incredibly interesting. I mean, again, this building is pretty empty. It's just sort of what you would expect to be in a building that's been abandoned for this long. It's kind of just broken stuff. Ready the dodge action, just in case. Um, so, Vysil is up next. So, Mikhail, Vysil is casting Ice Storm on you. So, a hail of rock-hard ice pounds to the ground in a 20-foot radius, 40-foot high cylinder centered on a point within range. Each creature in the cylinder must make a dexterity saving throw. It's a six. Uh, yeah, that's not gonna do it. So, a creature takes 2d8 bludgeoning damage and 4d6 cold damage. Forecast today, weatherman. Snowy with a chance of death. That's 24 points of damage. Holy shit. I am down! Hello, darkness, my old friend. So, Mikhail is on the floor. I think what happens is a magical hailstorm opens up above Mikhail, just pounding him with hailstones the size of your skull that just beat him into the ground, and he is laid on the Get ground. Up, friends! Un- uncon- unconscious and bloodied. And next up is Mikhail. Saving throw it is. Ten. Okay, ten is a fail. Hit. Just short. Sibo, uh, you were up. Currently, how far am I away from, like, the base of the building? Probably about 40 feet or so away. Shoot. Okay, uh, well, I'll take my full 25. <coughs> And then I'm going to take a shot with my bow. Okay. Alright. <laughs> well, I guess I might as well just say it's four, five, six. So eight. Uh, eight is not going to hit. I don't think so. So your arrow's going to uh, And then I'm going to take my bonus action to hide. Okay. With the rubble or... Actually, at this point, I'm probably close to... I could duck into one of the tents. Okay. So yeah, we'll say we'll say that you dive in. You're uh, you're actually laying on top of the skeletal boys that's in there. On top of them? Yeah, kind of dive I in. I fondle them for some coins while I'm in there. <laughs> 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 uh, 
That's you good old Sibo is trying to run out of coins. So the hand check actually do I just use an investigation or I was gonna say slide a hand against a mummy. Yeah, I think you can fondle a mummy and we'll give you we'll give you five gold coins for that. Uh so Joe, you are up. Jonah's gonna do another pop shot at that mother lover. You know, he really does love his mom. He actually just got back from visiting her on her birthday. Well, this is not a nice feel bad. Time to die. <laughs> Time to cry. Critical fail. <laughs> Are you shitting me? <laughs> no, so here, here's, actually what, here's actually what happened. Even though you were shooting this as a normal shot, not as a magical ability shot... Your revolver is still charged with the residual energy of the magic you've thrown before. So this shot, as you fire it, actually kicks in some of that residual energy from the revolver. And I'm actually going to need you to make a wild magic throw yeah. for me. Okay. Well, I'm waiting forever for this. Here we go. That's a 12. Okay. So what's a 12 equate to? Roll d10, your height changes by number of inches equal to the roll. If the roll's odd, you shrink. If the roll's even, you grow. So that's 10. So that's even, so I think I grow 10 inches. <laughs> so, Damn! Bro, wow. you get like almost a foot taller. So Joe grows 10 inches, so how tall are you now? <laughs> Joe, Joe is on now 6 foot 10. Jeez, how long does this last? Fuck! <laughs> um, it doesn't say... I think it's a permanent change. I yeah, know. Jonah's oh six God. ten now. He's a tall fucking Jonah is six <laughs> foot ten. So Jonah's is, Jonah is now six ten. Taller than I am now. Howdy. <laughs> He's a tall, lengthy yeah. man. Tall, lanky man of the law. I tell you what. He's also a bigger target. He's also a bigger target. What? <laughs> Why would you be wearing a skirt? This one's quite cut. What? Hold on. Hold on. Just a minute. <laughs> Fucking. In, in game. <laughs> I don't think that Joan is wearing a skirt or a kilt, etc. As far as I no. know. Out of game. <laughs> what the fuck? That's your cousin, bro. <laughs> I didn't say I want to see up his skirt. I he said also can... said Sibo, not I Ramage. said Sibo can see up his skirt. Sibo's fucking short. But you were picturing it. No. And that's what I have the problem with. What actually came to mind was You were picturing Sibo you looking up his skirt. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, he said. I have no me. shame in this group, so. Boy. All right. So Joan is now a. I'm now a basketball star. A lanky 6'10. <laughs> He I'm gonna need to bulk up. We're actually he's actually gonna change his name to Joe Dunks real good. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Scared Joe. Fuck, why haven't I used Magic Surge more? This is great. <laughs> it is. That's a really great. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so glad you rolled a critical fail. Um, <laughs> Ramash is up I'm not sure Ramash is surprised when he comes back outside and Sebo's. <laughs> no, no, this happened. Yeah, you're 50 feet in the air. They're about to come down later and they're going to be like, 
Weren't you shorter? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> aren't I the tallest? No. <laughs> I believe you are the tallest. I can't yeah. breathe. <laughs> <laughs> You're God. Okay, okay. I'm going to move this along a little bit. Okay. As I run towards the stairwell, um, as I'm passing a window looking out to see him on the ground running for the stairwell, as a bonus action, I'm going to cast Healing Word, which has a range of 60 feet, on down guy there. So I get to roll a 1d4 plus my spellcasting modifier. So you're like pausing at a window to do this? It's more like in mid-run. I'm going to say that your movement speed is going to be cut in half here. Just because, like, I can understand you seeing him as you're running, but, like, to see him and to have enough time to recognize that he is down and needs help, I think that that's going to cut your movement speed a little bit. All right. Uh, 1d4. That is 5 HP, my boy. Congrats. So is he You're immediately alive. back up then if you hit yeah, him with this? Okay. He's immediately back up. He springs up like a spry little Wait, So, yeah, so... And then I use the rest of my movement speed to head back towards the... Alright, so I think with that, you are, um... With the rest of your movement, you are at the base of the stairwell that will take you directly up to this third floor where Bicel is. Got it. So, Mikhail, you are hit with a sudden burst of energy... And you climb to your feet, and you now have five hit points. Okay. Uh, is actually up next. Joan. Yo. I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. 17. Damn, y'all are throwing some, like, some fire when it counts, but... (laughs) (laughs) Or more so, I should say, when it doesn't count, because when it does count... (laughs) So, Joan, suddenly you feel a presence invade your mind. And this presence speaks, and this voice that speaks in your head sounds exactly like your wife. And it says, Joan, that half-man has been nothing but trouble to you. You should kill him and be done with it. And as you begin to swing your revolver towards Sibo and aim to take the fatal blow... Suddenly it occurs to you almost as a a secondary thought. You have a quick flash of the pain and the suffering of your wife and of her funeral. Just that pain hits you like a stab and you realize that this voice in your head can't be real. That what's going on inside of your head is nothing more than that. And with a almost a, a defeated and dejected sigh, you move your finger away from the trigger of your revolver and sort of breathe out and relax yourself. Mikhail's up next. I rise out of my death-like sleep, immediately draw an arrow on my bow. For a 16 against AC. That's going to hit him. For 11 points of damage. Alright. Sibo, uh, you are up next. God, this guy can take a hit. With my movement, <laughs> could I move from where I currently am to the side of the building and start to climb? You moved closer to the building right on your last I did. Movement. Yep. Okay. I'm now probably like 15 feet yeah. away from the building. I think what you can do here is you can get to the edge of the building. If you're going to climb up this building, then I need you to do a um, 
We'll do an athletics check to get up the side of this build. To start climbing this build. I guess it's a six. Okay. So yeah, I think Sebo C- tries to climb up initially and can't like really get up. Oh, you're just standing at the base of the wall. Yeah. I think when you're standing at the base of the wall, you're definitely hidden. It's dark over there, and yeah, it's also like right under him, so you're not, he's not really looking at you, so you're definitely hidden at that point. Gotcha. Uh, so Joan is up next. Joan's gonna try and shoot another bullet at this dude. Okay. Just the bullet. Well, that's gonna be a seven. A seven? <laughs> he is not gonna do it, that bullet. You know what we're gonna say, it actually is, uh, because of Joan's new height, he actually has not quite gotten down his aiming in terms of, you know, pointing his revolver in the right direction, and so his bullet flies a little wide because... Of this adjustment period. You're going to be banging your head on one of the things. <laughs> I'm going to be that Ramash is up. <laughs> okay, Ramash is going to run up the rest of the way to the roof, if you can. This is a strength check. Okay. All right, Ramash. You, you run up the stairs and you'll surprise, and he turns around and he's like, Ah, uh, it's a 19. So the only modern addition to this otherwise abandoned and old building is at the top of the third floor staircase, some modern-looking metal doors had been added uh, with a pretty thick chain around the outside of them. But Ramash, being a dragonborn, and really not caring about the strength of doors, comes charging up... The uh, up the stairs, and actually, what he does is, as he nears the top of the stairs, he roars, and this roar actually releases a small amount of his breath weapon that hits the doors. He just like screams at these doors and charges it in the full force, head first, and just blasts through the door. And actually, it causes Bicel to spin and turn to you just because he's so surprised by the force that just blows these doors open. So you are now standing on top of the top floor of this building, and Bicel is facing you. I'm going to use my breath weapon on him. Okay. Make a dexterity saving throw. That's 21. Okay, so he only takes half damage from this, so I'm doing 2d6. 6... Ten, he takes five fire damage. He sees you coming, and he tries to sort of use one of his teleport moves to get out of the way of this attack, and is unable to fully execute his spell. He's kind of halfway phased between teleporting and still being there, so he only takes half damage. However, that damage does kind of pull him back to the area where he was, so he's just standing right there at the moment. Right. Bicel up next, I think it. Bicel is up next, yes. Bicel is going to shoot a magic missile at Ramash. Okay. So that's going to deal nine points of damage out of Ramash. Okay. Uh, Mikhail is up next. Sixteen against AC. Uh, that's going to hit. So, fourteen total damage. That's your arrows, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. That's a hefty arrow. 
Okay, so when this arrow connects with Vysil, actually, for the first time that you've seen in the beginning of this fight, he actually looks like he's hurt. Sibo is up. Alright, Sibo's gonna climb the building. So I need to do another athletics check? Yes, another athletics mm. check. Alright, Nat 20 plus 3. Sibo practically floats <laughs> up the side of this building. Sibo just one-handed climbs up the side of this building. Stretches his arm to the top of the building. <laughs> and effortlessly vaults over the edge and is now standing on the third floor of this building. Hello there. Alright, and I can still make my attack, yeah? Yeah, that was your movement. Alright, cool. So Sibo's gonna pull his bow out and he's gonna attack does not land. You know what? He decides to just not even take his bow out when he gets up to the top of the building. Oh, oh um, so you you now have, like, really good joined night. into the Puppet Master of Game so ability to retcon yourself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna retcon that. He decides to just no. get to the top of the building and uh, just, just watch it all happen. Here, here's what actually happens. That was sort of the... <laughs> that was now for the that, director's that was the, cut. That was the Sibo's mind version of what happens. <laughs> what really happens is Sibo climbs up the side of the building real cool, does a roll up onto the side, pulls his bow out, he looks completely sweet, just like almost like a like a Legolas-style like roll and pops up with the bow, fires, and just... Misses so badly that he real quick puts his bow back on his back and just pretends like he didn't take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) And so now Sibo is standing at the edge of the uh, building at the top here. And it's going to be Jones' turn. Oh, you can bet your bottom dollar. Please don't shoot us. That I'm going to, with really nothing else to do, take a shot at him. Oh boy. That is going to be a uh, 21. That's going to hit him. Hi. Four damage. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever in this campaign, we have Joan Redson doing something mildly useful for (laughs) four damage! I dealt 11 damage to him earlier with a bullet. What are you talking about? 11 damage doesn't have four, obviously. I dealt less damage than I did earlier to him. Ramash is up next. First, he's going to use a bonus action to cast Healing Word on himself. Or how much help. And what is that healing word for the class? Pineapple. Hmm. It's also a safe (laughs) word. Okay. I get six HP back, so I'm going to back up to 11. And then I'm going to run over to this douchebag and slice that with my scimitar. Nine against AC. (gasps) I got this nasty feeling that that didn't come. Probably not. So Ramash runs forward and takes a swing at this guy and... He uh, sort of does a split-second teleportation, and even though he doesn't move, the blade passes just directly through the area where you stand. So he just phased. Basically, yes. Chunk yells across, Who's missing your shots now? You better get away from me, because I'm about to just cast Thunder Wave. Next up is Bison. 
and uh, he's going to cast Suggestion. Sibo, I need you to do a saving throw for me here. Is oh. it a wisdom saving throw? So the throw would yeah. be 20 plus right, wisdom. so part of my gnomish abilities is that I have advantage on intellect wisdom and charisma saving throws. Okay. 19. So Sibo feels his mind start to be clouded, and he hears this voice in his head that's actually his own voice, and... The voice that he hears says to him, Hey, you know what you should do? You should, uh, you should, uh, kill that, uh, that dragon. He's never been good to you. And Sibo almost subconsciously pulls an arrow out of his quiver and knocks it and aims towards Ramash. And just as he's about to release the arrow, he realizes that at the end of the day, there's no gold in it for him if he kills this dragon, so what does he care? So he uh, he sort of releases uh, his tension on the bow and does not loose the arrow. Next up is going to be Mikayo. That is not a good roll. <laughs> Eleven. Okay, what were you trying to do here? Mostly just rolling my uh, longbow. Okay. So eleven against AC. Yeah, that's not going to do it. Your arrow is going to go wide. So, Sibo, you are up next. So, Sibo is going to dash forward and attempt to attack this guy with his two daggers. Okay. 22. That's going to hit him. You realize you have to roll an you attack have to roll second, second attack. Oh, okay, so six, and then add the... No, I meant you have to you roll, have to roll this d20 again, d20 again for your oh, second really? attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. just get the hit. So the first one was d20. four. D20. And nine. the second one is... Nine damage on the first one? Yeah, second one I don't think probably going to hit. I only have twelve. That is actually going to hit him. Oh, wow. Straight up and down. Two. So, with that dagger attack from Sibo, he reels back and is looking very much worse for the wear. But and then Sibo's going to take his bonus back and disengage. Okay. Just kind of fall back to right around Gumash where he was. Okay. Uh, so, next up is Joan. Joan has to take this time to reload. Okay. So, Joan's uh, turn is spent <laughs> dropping some empty shells and... Putting, putting some new uh, new rounds into his gun. Mm-hmm. So are you going to move, or are you just staying where you are, just reloading? Uh, he's going to back up out of view before he does this, and then he's just going to kind of stay there for now. Okay, yeah, so you just move a couple uh, feet away from the edge and kind of crouch down, I think. Oh, definitely so crouch just... down, especially now that he's a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crouched, you're still almost four feet tall. So you're crouched down, reloading, and... Uh, just kind of getting everything ready. Uh, Ramash is up. I'm going to position myself so I'm about five feet away from Bysel and, to the best of my ability, about um, eight feet away from Sibo so that he's not within range of my spell. I'm going to cast Thunder Wave. Uh, guy needs to make a um, constitution saving throw. Okay. 18. Okay, he only takes half damage, and he's not launched away from me. He's going to take four, uh, six damage. That uh, attack comes in and hits him, and I think actually knocks him back a little bit. He takes uh, the six points of damage from that, 
And he is looking really beat up at this point. He's pretty, pretty messed up. So, uh, Bicel is actually up next. He's going to use Missy Step. Briefly surrounded by a silvery mist, you teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see. So he is actually going to teleport down from the top of the building to right in front of Mikael. Who, as it turns out, is up next. He's standing right He's right in front of you. So you can use your rapier now. So you can just a 22. So yeah, that's going to hit him. If it's a dueling, then it's a plus 2. Plus okay, so hunt, which is a d6. Fine, you're Fucking fun. 11. As you come at him in this kind of initial dueling stance, you hit him with an initial blow that fells him to his knees. And he, he turns to you, Mikhail, and uh, locks eyes with you. And with sort of a, not the voice that was heard before, but just like a, almost an unearthly sort of, you can feel kind of a power behind this voice. He goes, my masters will be very unpleased with you. Prepare to be reckoned. And with a final blow, Mikhail Spins his rapier around and just stabs it straight through his heart. And Bicil drops to the ground. How much experience did we get for that battle? So you each get 575. Isn't that 1213 experience? Yep. Do we level up? Oh yeah, we're level 3 now. So we don't have to deal with that right now. Yeah, you can well, do that. I'm going to do that. stuff up. After uh, Mikhail lands the final killing blow on Bicel, he drops to the ground, and you all kind of uh, have, at this point, congregated together around the corpse and have retrieved a ring from his finger that you can only surmise is the silver ring that was the one that you are looking for. This ring that you pull up is finger has elvish runes on it that are similar to markings that were made by the First Order of the Dark Elves. And so you can only surmise that this particular ring is the one that is the source of his sort of unnatural power. Suddenly, you see a little ways off from you, towards where the center of the city is, a sort of bluish-white glow has suddenly appeared. So you you all kind of head off that way to investigate kind of what's the source of this light. And as you approach it, what you see is that the light is coming from this somewhat large stone structure that serves sort of as the middle of the city. So this structure is built at the lowest point of the city. It is a big stone ring that has these columns that are placed about every five feet going around. And as you come upon it, you estimate that this whole thing is probably about 200 feet across. And directly in the center of it, the source of this light is a ball of water. 
that is floating in the air. And so inside of this ball of water, you catch for the briefest moment some kind of figure. But what happens is this figure just immediately disappears. The ball of water slams towards the ground and sort of explodes out, making a small puddle area about 20 feet across in the middle of this stone ring. And as you come forward upon closer inspection, you see that this puddle itself is shimmering, but when you look into it, you actually can see sort of images that are coming through the puddle. And so, after a little bit of examination, you determine that this puddle is exuding some magical properties that are actually making the water a portal that would allow you to sort of teleport from area to area. And so, although this was not the initial dictation of your mission, you decide that this bears investigating, and so the four of you jump into this puddle, and as you sort of jump, even though the puddle itself is only about six inches deep, you immediately sink completely into a body of water. And uh, you're struggling for air. You're disoriented. You can't quite tell which way is up. But eventually, the four of you are able to struggle your way to a surface area that has some air and you can breathe in this area. So you swim a little ways and make it to some solid ground, a small stone outcropping that is coming out of a larger stone mound. You all climb up on this and sort of catch your breath. And as you look, what you see is something that can only be described as unworldly. The area in which you currently sit is a large body of water. It's very dark. You cannot tell, even those of you with dark vision, the area that you currently are past where you can see with your dark vision, it just turns into darkness and still more water. And this sort of stone outcropping that you have landed on quickly turns into a much bigger stone mound that appears to be, as far as you can tell, the only solid land in this body of water. At the top of it is a site that you've never seen before. There is large spheres of water about three or four feet across that are floating near the top of this stone mound. And it's nothing you've ever seen before. Inside of each sphere, there is this creature that appears to be almost shaped like an eel, but much larger than any eel you've seen. And even though they are kind of this long, unibody shape, they almost have a kind of humanoid sort of appearance, just in the way that they carry themselves uh, in this sort of upright fashion. Every single one of them is in this sphere of water that is encircled around the edge of this stone. And they appear to be chanting. This chanting is in a language that you do not understand. You cannot possibly comprehend it. It's this very high-pitched, shrill sort of chant. They appear to be fully focused on it until suddenly one of these creatures that is closest to you, almost as if it's suddenly become aware of your presence, 
turns towards where you are and locks its gaze directly onto you. And what you see in its face is something that none of you will ever forget. This face is, even though the body itself is almost eel-like, the face is strangely human. It has a set of eyes, a sort of crooked, protruding nose, and a mouth that appears to be fixed into a permanent snarl. And this sort of unnatural and ghastly face just fixes itself upon you. And suddenly, as its gaze turns to you, all of the other creatures stop their chanting and turn to you and look directly in your direction. And without a word, without any kind of signal, all of these spheres of water that they are contained within begin to float to you. And as they approach you, you look around, you look for a way out, you look for weapons to use as sort of a battle against these creatures. And suddenly, Ramash notices that in the lake, almost beyond sight, but near the bottom, he can see this sort of picture that distinctly looks like a three-story ruined building with some camp tents and a fire around it. He directs you to it, and seeing no other options, you dive towards this picture that you see and swim, and swim through the water, and as your lungs feel like they're about to burst, you finally hit where this picture appears to be and burst through, and you are again back in the world that you know. And before you even have a chance to collect yourself, before you have a chance to question what you've just seen, the puddle that you went through where you saw this portal begins to bubble and sort of almost steam. And as it does so, it grows exponentially. Before, it, when it was just a 20-foot puddle, now it's 30 feet, now 40, now 50 and it's growing at a rapid rate. And adventurers, it is time to run.